Okay, let's get it. It is Locked on LSU, your team every day. I'm Matt Moscona, ESPN Radio, Baton Rouge, New Orleans, Alexandria, Cox Sports TV, and right here on the Locked on LSU podcast. Glad to have you hanging out with us. A lot we'll get to. Uh, Ed Ogeron had his coaches show addressed quite a lot, uh, including potential awards and draft spot for Joe Burrow. Uh, we talk also about Ed Ingram's return and if he could, in fact, surpass Adrian McGee. We'll get some perspective from a 14-year NFL veteran in Todd McClure and more honors already pouring in for LSU and why not so far in this season when you're top five and you're setting all kinds of offensive records. But uh, Ed Ogeron on his coach's show was asked about um, Joe Burrow and about the Heisman and also about potentially being the starting quarterback for the Saints. And all of this sort of has a... um, a, a a some connectivity to it. Uh, there's a, a column up right now at The Athletic by a Larry Holder, a longtime beat writer for the Saints and columnist, and the headline reads, Auditions to Succeed Drew Brees are occurring on two fronts, and the one to watch is in Baton Rouge. And Larry lays out uh, why he feels that Joe Burrow should be drafted by the New Orleans Saints this year. And It's not just a Homer LSU beat writer saying that the local college quarterback should be drafted by the local NFL team. He goes into a lot of detail about the style of play that Burrow has shown, obviously working with Joe Brady, some connections between the staffs, and there is a a very natural transition that makes sense. Speaking of which, Ed Ogeron would have a uh, an opinion on this because Ed coached under Sean Payton for a season uh, with the Saints before he went back to, uh, to college football and was asked about if he could see Joe Burrow being a quarterback for the Saints. <laughs> hey, you know what? I, I know this. I know Coach Payton's an excellent coach. I love the Saints. Uh, I can't make that decision for him, but I, if he would be a New Orleans Saint, I know that Coach Payton would love working with him and the talent that they have there. Hey, we're running the Saints passing game, so we wouldn't have to coach him much, just let him go. But uh, you know, those decisions got to be made down the road. But Joe's a great young man. I'd love to see him stay in, stay in, stay in the state of Louisiana. Maybe the most interesting note there is that Ogeron acknowledges we're running the Saints passing game. I mean, in essence, that's true. There wouldn't be much of a of a transition there. Uh, for what it's worth, if you're wondering, you know, what sort of the draft Knicks say, uh, Matt Miller from a, a NFL draft scout tweeted on Thursday morning, Joe Burrow, this is the entirety of the tweet, Joe Burrow has been more impressive than Justin Herbert or Jake Fromm the Oregon and uh, and Georgia quarterbacks, respectively. And I don't think anybody would argue to the contrary. Uh, the numbers certainly speak to that and the type of development that Joe Burrow has had so far. And I have heard some argument to the contrary, which suggests that Burrow is right now, his numbers are a product of the system they're in. I just flatly disagree with that. And I'll give you a case in point. Look at, I'll use the most famous play of the season so far, the third and 17 against Texas when he threw the touchdown pass to Justin Jefferson. Pressure in his face, Burrow steps up, moves to his left, defender hanging on his leg, off balance, timed, perfectly accurate throw to Jefferson with a defender in front of the receiver, and he places it perfectly. That's a play moving in the pocket, avoiding the rush, staying poised, delivering an accurate ball in the face of pressure, all of those things, that's an NFL throw. If you look to the contrary, look at the play a year ago 
which sealed LSU's loss at Florida. Similar circumstance where Burrow threw an interception in the face of pressure in a in a very similar late-game situation. The point is his pocket presence, his ability to move within the pocket, his awareness, his arm strength, his accuracy, it's all drastically improved, or at least it's on display this year. So I would not be surprised at all if Burrow continues at this pace, goes to the combine, goes to the senior bowl, wows NFL teams, and works his way into being a first-round draft pick. That would not surprise me at all if that transpires. Now, in the meantime, uh, Burrow obviously has more work to do, and Ed Ogeron was asked, as you might expect, about the Heisman Trophy and uh, Joe Burrow's possibilities there. Well, like I said uh, before, I do believe that he deserves uh, all the credit that we can give him. He's an excellent young man. Uh, I've been a part, I've been fortunate to be a part of four Heisman Trophy winners, three of them are quarterbacks. And uh, Joe has all the qualities that they had. He has, he has all the intangibles. I do believe that when you get into the Heisman race, it all depends what your team is doing, how big of a game you win, the championships that you win. So we got a lot of things left to go. And I think if you would ask Joe, the number one thing that he wants to do is win. He's not interested in individual awards. The thing Ed said there that's obviously the most relevant is you've got to be playing and winning meaningful games in November. And uh, it looks like at this point LSU will have that opportunity when the calendar flips to November to be in that position, provided they can take care of Florida and Auburn in Baton Rouge in a road game at Mississippi State. For what it's worth, the latest uh, Heisman odds via Westgate Superbook, Tua Tungo-Vailoa from Alabama currently at 9-5. to He's the leader with a 35.7% chance of winning the Heisman Trophy. Joe Burrow, next, 7-2 to odds, 22.22% chance of winning the Heisman Trophy, followed uh, closely by Jalen Hurts at four to one, Justin Fields at eight to one, and there's Trevor Lawrence at twelve to one. The first non-quarterback on the board is Jonathan Taylor at fourteen to one, and Texas quarterback Sam Ellinger at thirty to one. The aforementioned Justin Herbert and Jake Fromm each at forty to one right now uh, to win the Heisman. Play well in in November, win games, continue on this trajectory. And Joe Burrow is going to have a great chance to win that award. And that's something I don't think anybody would have ever thought that we'd say about an LSU quarterback. All right, it is the Locked on LSU podcast, your team every day. We'll knock out a quick break, come back. I do want to talk a little further about uh, the offensive line. Ed Ingram's return, the job Adrian McGee has done so far. You'll hear from Ed Ogeron and 14-year NFL veteran Todd McClure on the matter next. Locked on LSU, your team every day. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. We continue Locked On LSU, your team every day. Uh, the biggest news, obviously, from this past weekend was the fact that um, Ed Ingram reinstated to the LSU football team and that Ed Ogeron is uh, working him back into practice now with an eye on potentially regaining a starting job. Something that Ed Ogeron on his coach's show on Wednesday night reiterated. You know, we're going to give him a shot to uh, earn a starting spot again. Obviously, he's a fantastic player. Uh, we were so excited for him. Uh, he had a great practice yesterday, a great practice today. 
But right now, Adrian McGee is still the star. Now, once he beats him out, and which it may happen, Adrian could be a, a backup left tackle, backup left guard, backup right guard, backup right tackle. So he provides us some depth on our team. Did you hear Ogeron say, once he beats him out and it may happen? It almost feels at this point like a foregone conclusion. Like the coaches understand Ed Ingram is a better player and ultimately he is going to win back that starting job at left guard and it's going to make the offensive line better. And maybe the benefit is that McGee and Badara Traore give you a couple of swing offensive linemen that make you deeper at that position. But it certainly feels, listening to Ed Ogeron, like it's a foregone conclusion that Ed Ingram is going to reclaim a starting job on that offensive line. But Ed did also talk about Adrian McGee and the job he's done. Believe it or not, I ran the scout team when I was an assistant coach here, and and Adrian was on the scout team with me, so me and him go way back. So it's good (laughs) to see him have success. He's an excellent young man. He's going to graduate, end up with a great career at LSU. I couldn't be happier for Adrian McGee. Certainly he's made the most of this opportunity, but it could be Ed Ingram's job to lose coming here shortly. Wanted some perspective, so I turned to Todd McClure, former LSU offensive lineman, an All-American, and a guy who spent 14 seasons in the NFL, all with the Atlanta Falcons. And I wanted some perspective on Ingram's return, the job the offensive line has done so far. So you'll, you'll hear a piece of this interview. You can hear the entire interview online on demand at 1045ESPN.com. Click After Further Review On Demand, and you'll hear our whole chat with Todd McClure. But I started by asking, when a guy's missed more than a calendar year away from the field – how quickly can he realistically reassimilate into game shape and be ready to play? You know, he's been out of out of it almost a calendar year, right? Um, I just wonder. I guess it'll go into how much work he's done on his own, or uh, you know, with his technique. Uh, pass protection is the first thing I think of when you're out that long and you come back in. Uh, you know, the little details of pass protection and run blocking your step. But I don't think I think he's played enough football to where he'll better ease in and and they can work him in. <laughs> this offense scores so quick, so I don't think the conditioning will will come into factor right away. Uh, but I look forward to, to seeing him inserted back into that line. All right, so I was going to ask: it, Would it be conditioning? Would it be technique? Would it be like just the physicality? Like, is that a question? Like that you have to sort of remember what it's like to be hit again? No, I don't think the. The physicality part of it is going to be a big problem for him. The, the thing when when you asked me to come home, the first thing I thought about was the, the technical part of it. You know, your steps uh, and run blocking and your, your your sets, your pass sets and your hands, those are things that you work and you build all through training camp and, uh, you know, in the early part of the season. So I think it'll take him a little bit of time to get those little details ironed out. But he, he's a – uh, good enough player to where I think he'll get by if they can easy him, easy him in with some of these lesser opponents. You, uh, your rookie year, many people may not remember this, but in '99 tore your ACL, and so you, you missed uh, essentially your whole rookie year, right? It was in training camp, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Okay. Training camp. So yeah. you get hurt in training camp, you miss your whole rookie year. Is it comparable at all? Would Ed, I mean, in Ed Ingram? So it's it's been more than a calendar year, Todd. So I mean, that was last August when when he was suspended so it's been a little more than a calendar year is it comparable to like to a season ending injury i think so uh because you miss uh, you know he was away from the facility so he misses meetings he misses you know during the off season you coaches can break down and do drill work that's monotonous but 
you know, it's, it's things that, that add up to, to help you be a great technician. Um, so I think if anything he's going to struggle with at first, it's going to be the little details of, you know, pass protection and uh, run blocking. And hopefully he knows his team and he's, he's, they can bring him up to speed enough on that and start to work on the little details of, of the technical part of the game. Okay, so that was my next question. Does the fact that they've got essentially a, a completely different offense than what he ran two years ago as a freshman when Matt Canada was the offensive coordinator, does that or how much does that affect his his ability to assimilate? You know, I guess it, it, it comes down to how bright of a, uh, a student of the game he is. Uh, because football, I mean, when you think about it, on our from our perspective, it's a simple game. All the protections uh, all throughout football are the same, you know, what guys you have. You know, you got the four down and you got the wheelbacker, you got the four down and you got the Sam linebacker. It's just the terminology. So I wonder, Steven Smeer has been a constant. So I wonder how much of that terminology has changed from Matt Canada now with Steven Smeer and Bill Brady uh, calling plays. That, that, that'll be a huge factor. If some of that terminology is the same, I don't think it'll be as big of a step for us. Todd McClure is our guest, former LSU All-American, played 14 NFL seasons. He's on Twitter at Todd McClure 62 Give him a follow, especially on Sundays. It's a lot of fun when the Falcons are losing oh, to follow. <laughs> uh, I was wondering if we were going to get through this whole thing. It's not possible to do. You and I can't talk without bringing that up. Do, That's right. Do you remember watching Ed Ingram as a freshman? Like, I mean, I know it's been two seasons now, but like, do, do you remember specifically thinking certain things about his game? Matt, I'd be lying to if I told you, yeah. No, it's, it makes sense. You know, for 20 years of my life, my eye was trained. We would play, and then you go watch film, and you practice, and you go watch film was to look at the offensive line. And it took me two years being away from the game to learn to watch it as a fan. And now, <laughs> when I watch a football game, I watch it like the, I don't just watch the offensive line because I did it for so long. I follow the ball like everybody else. I, I you know, uh, so for me to sit in and watch a offensive line guy play the game, it would have to be if somebody asked me to and, sit there and watch it and tell me what they thought. And you're talking about something that's you know, happened two years ago. So obviously that that makes sense. So let's bring it though to the to the present. I'm guessing you've made certain observations though about the current unit that's been running out there, and the most obvious uh, spot for Ingram, if there was one, it would be at left guard. And even Ed Ogeron alluded to this, is the fact that he'd have to beat out Adrian McGee at left guard. So through four games, right. whatever you've noticed, what have you seen from Adrian McGee? You know, I, I think that group as a whole has been uh, pretty impressive to me. You know, you think about uh, last year, we talked about Austin Daculus a lot and his struggles, and I think he's, you know, he's settled down a little bit. Um you know, Cushenberry is just a constant in there. And, you know, you want a guy that can be consistent. So that it'll be interesting to see with Ingram and McGee uh, what type of battle that'll be if they already have a mindset where if Ingram's up to speed, we're going to throw him in there. But the good thing is, you know, you got the guys, the five guys that have been playing. You got Ingram. You got an extra guy. Those guys, those start five making it through a full season of SEC football. Not very likely. So you got another guy that you know you can throw in there at any moment, whether it's Ingram or McGee, and know that he's got game reps and he can go and your team won't miss a beat. 
Again, our chat with Todd McClure. You can hear the entire interview at 1045ESPN.com after further review on demand. Uh, Locked on LSU, brought to you in part by Vivid Seats. Make a memory that lasts a lifetime. Let the Vivid Seats app help you to get to your favorite live event. Enter the promo code KICKOFF at checkout and receive a discount of up to $100. That's KICKOFF at checkout to receive a discount of up to $100. It is the Locked on LSU podcast. We'll knock out a quick break. Ed Ogeron discusses missed tackles and a few awards and honors for some LSU Tigers. Talk about that next. Locked on LSU, your team every day. Wrapping up a Thursday edition of the Locked on LSU podcast, your team every day. If you've not done so yet, please subscribe to the podcast. I know I say it every day, but if you could subscribe, rate us on iTunes, leave some feedback. That is immensely helpful and tell everybody that we're here every day with the Locked on LSU podcast. A two big concerns so far that fans have expressed about the LSU team, tackling and the run game. Ed Ogeron addressed each on his coach's show on Wednesday night. First, how they're addressing missed tackles. We came uh, to a conclusion about what you just said. It's about footwork. It's not about one-two. It's about footwork. It's about proper foot placement. It's about proper angles. It's proper approach on the tackle. There's some sideline tackles. There's some inside-out tackles. There's some game-saving tackles. When the staff came back, we yep. watched everyone. I watched it with them personally, and we all came up with drills to fix that. So I do think there's going to be a process where you see a less missed tackles. We're going to have to do it because it's going to cost us. What's the old saying about the way the first step to fixing a problem is acknowledging you have one? And missed tackles have been a problem for this team, and clearly the uh, coaches are taking time in this bye week to work on it. Also, people have worried about the running game, which – Ran for 181 yards on the road against Vanderbilt on Saturday, but Ed Ogeron talked about that as well during his coach's show. You know, we're not where we want to be. I mean, and obviously it's, it's easier to pick things apart, but you score 66 points. I mean, <laughs> you're doing something good. But you know what? Here's the thing. In order for us to get where we want to go, we have to run the ball better. And Steve and I talked about it this week. We worked on some runs, some basic stuff that I know that we can do, and Steve agreed with it. So I think that you're going to see more of a running game. You know, we're going to have to – Slow the game down, especially when we score fast. We're going to have to have some ball control offense. So I think those run, the runs that we put in this week are going to help us later on down the road. So I will remain skeptical on the ball control offense. It's just not how this team is built. And they're having success offensively doing what they're doing, going fast and scoring. Like Ed said, it's hard to nitpick when you score 66 points, which is exactly the point. It's the offense that he's wanted. But LSU's losing the time of possession by an average of about five minutes per game right now, um, so far through four games. And I don't care. I say it often. I think time of possession is the most overrated statistic in football because it's just how do you think something should look, like the the quote-unquote right way. Well, I'll take a 66-38 to win if that's what's going to be impressive and that's how you function and that's what it's going to take to beat Alabama but you lose the time of possession battle. I'm okay with that. I'm okay with having a little more tired defense and having some of these sort of vanity metrics and, and defensive statistics not look as good if you're winning ball games because ultimately that's what matters. And I think we can all agree that the biggest bugaboo LSU's had is their inability to score against Alabama, and this offense is going to go on the road in Tuscaloosa and score points. The old offense wouldn't. Now, if that means you're going to give up more yards and points and you're going to lose vanity metrics like time of possession – I don't care as long as you're scoring points and you have a chance to win the ball game. Um, a big part of that this past weekend, of course, was Jamar Chase. Uh, he has been added to 
the Bolitnikoff Award watch list now. So the LSU receiver uh, joins uh, Justin Jefferson on the Bolitnikoff watch list, which is very cool to see. He goes to the best wide receiver in college football, and certainly Chase leading LSU in reception, yardage, and touchdowns uh, belongs right there in that conversation, and it doesn't look like they're slowing at all in any way. And also, congrats to uh, Blake Ferguson, who was named to the Campbell Trophy uh, semi, name a Campbell Trophy semifinalist. That's the uh, academic Heisman. It marries the uh, uh, great uh, academic student athletes and also great players. Rudy Nicewanger won that award back in 2005. And LSU's had other finalists. Uh, Robert Dugas was a finalist in 1978. James Britt in 1982. Nacho Albergamo in 1987. Saul Graves in 1990. Chad Kessler in 97. Brady James in 02. And then Rodney Reed was a finalist uh, in 03 before um, – uh, Nicewanger ultimately won it in 2005. But, uh, you know, I was thinking about this with Blake receiving this honor. Uh, Blake Ferguson and his brother Reed have meant eight consecutive years of a Ferguson snapping the football at LSU. And I have no idea what LSU is going to do next year. <laughs> you almost wish, wish that uh, uh, Kevin Ferguson and the, the Ferguson clan had, had – uh, Maybe had another male three or four years uh, removed, so that way LSU could have another four years, you know, another son, another uh, Ferguson long snapper. But um, after the very first snap of Blake's career, I believe it was against North Texas back in 2013, uh, he never had an errant snap after that, and I'm not sure that Blake's had one in his entire career. So it has been just a pillar of stability and consistency for the last eight years at that spot. So, And congrats to, uh, uh, to Blake Ferguson, much-deserved honor here as a uh, Campbell Trophy semifinalist. All right, y'all, we're going to put a button on it. The Locked on LSU podcast, a Thursday edition. No game this weekend, so no prediction or preview on tomorrow's episode, but we'll talk plenty about what's going on in the world of uh, LSU purple and gold and a couple of former Tigers getting ready for postseason play in Major League Baseball action as well. We'll follow their seasons as we move into the weekend. Glad to have you with us here. We'll see you tomorrow. Locked on LSU, your team every day.